This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. I'm excited to have Tanya Curtin on the podcast today. Tanya is the SVP of Customer Experience at PNC Bank. Welcome to the podcast, Tanya. Nice to be here today. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, uh, we've, we've uh, known each other for a few years now, and, and uh, I look forward to kind of digging into these questions. You know, the, the first question I have for you today is, you know, how long have you been in, in customer experience in, in that space? Well, I feel like I've been in customer experience my entire career because when I first started in banking, I had very few business skills, but I really enjoyed working with the customers. And I've always loved helping customers with their banking needs. But from an official customer experience capacity, I became a CX director about seven years ago when I joined Mm -hmm. the PNC Bank on Demand group with a focus of bringing together the omni-channel experience from a digital care center and branch perspective. So when you think about that, like it was seven years ago, but right now with everything, um, the acceleration of the digital customer experience, it, it honestly feels like a lifetime ago. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to me for how long, uh, how quick this is going by around customer experience and, and even on my side, customer service and, and digital transformation. So, um, you know, from your perspective, what's changed in the last seven years? Well, that's a great question. And I would also ask, like, what's changed in just the last seven weeks with this (laughs) pandemic? Um, One of the biggest changes I've seen in the last seven years, as I mentioned, and just most recently is the acceleration of digital banking and in every way. So customers are really adopting digital experience faster and with more variety. They're trying different digital experiences. And Mm -hmm. I think the COVID-19 pandemic has really accelerated the shift to digital at an even faster pace than, than we can think about right now. And, you know, in the past, maybe customers have kind of shifted back and forth, like they've gone back to their old banking behaviors. And I just, I just don't think that's going to happen this time. I think that this pandemic has really forced that adoption of um, digital, the digital experience. I also, um, you know, one of the big changes that we've seen in banking is that fintech competitors are entering the digital space and they're really picking those sweet spots where they can deliver exceptional customer experience without some of the regulatory or operational concerns of a traditional bank. Okay. And then the, the other thing that I would say is customer expectations have changed of the bank. Customers really want a seamless experience that connects to their life and their devices. They also want to know that they're being taken seriously, that their bank can offer them advice that is specific to them, that we know them, that we understand their goals and their dreams. And, you know, customers today really want to be heard in a 
much bigger way than I saw maybe even, you know, seven years ago. And I, I think as a customer experience professional and, and the professionals in general, we've really tried to answer that need to be heard with surveys and different ways to collect, collect customer opinions. Um, and I, I actually think that what we're seeing right now, and maybe we're just kind of in the middle of it, is this transformation about how customers will be heard. As survey fatigue starts to kind of set in, every place is doing a survey now so that we can hear customers because we're all feeling that need recently to you know, hear that voice. Um, I think we're going to have to get a lot more creative about what data we look at and how we hear the customers in the future. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's well said. I think it's it's a it's crazy on how much that's changed even in the last seven weeks of how people have had to adapt to to changing expectations. And it's not just an industry; it's it's across the world that people had to kind of. Um, to adapt to customers' expectations. And at the end of the day, customers want to feel known and valued. They want that, that you respect their time um, and, and meet, them, meet them on their channel of their choice and reduce that effort. So, um, you know, I think that's, that's a great explanation that you have there. You know, if you go all the way back of since you've been in the CX space, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you were starting out? Well, I, I honestly wish I would have started my career in customer experience sooner. <laughs> I just think there is so much opportunity for growth in the customer experience field that if I had started a little bit earlier, um, I could have had an even bigger impact. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, <clears throat> when you think of, of organizations, even like, um, uh, Michigan State right now, I think, is the only university that has a undergrad degree, and they're actually looking into transitioning it to a, a master's degree here coming up. <clears throat> but um, you know, Rutgers and uh, I think uh, um, Missouri State also have a, uh, a certification that you can take. And then I, I know of other uh, organizations. Uh, the DeJulius Group out of, out of Cleveland has a has a degree of sorts. Um, for customer experience, but it's fun to see these organizations kind of blossoming in front of us. Um, but it would probably have been nice for you to have that, uh, that as an, as an option to, to go get your master's in customer experience, you know, 10, 10 or 10 or so years ago. It would have been. And I also, you know, I think that over time, we're going to continue to see customer experience roles in the C-suite, right? Like we're going to see these roles, becoming even more important. And as a matter of fact, I, I just don't know how business in the future is going to operate without someone bringing that customer experience together. So I think it's a really exciting time. And I agree with you. Like I, I hope more, um, more educational opportunities will become available. And I, I just think it's a really exciting time in customer experience. Yeah, I would I would agree with you. You know, when it comes to, um, you know, I started looking at, at your LinkedIn page. And one thing that really stood out to me is um, you mentioned creating a and establishing a CX focus culture. Uh, and, and I was like, wow, this is interesting. And I think this would be interesting to, to the listeners. So how do you go about uh, establishing a CX focus culture? 
I love that question. And I think that there are lots of different ways that you can approach establishing a CX culture in an organization. But there are really four that kind of stand out to me as being most effective. And maybe that I go to time and time again if I'm working with a new executive or partnering, you know, with a different department in my organization. So okay. I would really say the first one would be, you know, think about speaking to the heart of the executive's business. So if, if you're trying to establish that culture in any type of business, you really have to be able to show the executives and that um, people within that organization the business metrics that demonstrate the ROI of customer experience. Like what is that mm -hmm. return that you're going yep. to get for delivering on customer experience? Yeah. So why, why should they care? Yeah. Why should they care? And, you know, honestly, it is different for almost every executive that I, that I work with. They, like eventually it comes down to the same set of things, but they all might value something over another. So, you know, is it customer retention? Is it the, ROI of just being able to keep that customer? Is it deepening those relationships by, mm -hmm. by offering that customer additional products and having them accept because they're an advocate? Is it reoccurring product usage um, and building those advocates um, through, you know, the, through your products or through your services and your interactions? So mm -hmm. I, I just think, you know, that, that would be the first thing that I would do is okay. really understand what kind of speaks to the heart of the business that I would be working with to try to establish that culture. And mm -hmm. then um, second, you know, of course, this is for anyone listening today, you're going to already know this, but um, listening to that voice of customers. So you're going to want to listen through, of course, surveys and complaint data, um, voice analytics. And one thing that I have found very interesting recently is um, looking at at chat conversations and yeah. chat analytics because I think that customers can really kind of be themselves. And yeah. one of the things we're finding is customers love to chat, um, <laughs> even more than picking up the phone, right? Like they might pick up the phone, but a lot of times yeah. we see the customers are trying chat first. So yeah. get in there and look at those analytics and you can really hear that voice of customer come through loud and clear through that. And then the third thing I would say is listen to employee feedback and take action. So have the right listening posts to get the right recommendations because employees usually know what needs to be fixed or they're able to identify those opportunities that would be those sweet spots that they see the customer demand for. So yeah, listening to that, listening to those employees and making sure they have a place to share their feedback. And then the, the fourth thing that I would say is find a way to boil down customer experience recommendations into a consumable way. There is not a problem of lack of data in banking. We have <laughs> lots of customer data. I think what there is a lack is a way to make it consumable. And, and how, how do you go about making it consumable? I think one way that you can do this is by creating a CX top 10 list of pain points and opportunities. Really focus on getting those most important 
opportunities and, and pain points um, funded and completed or at least in action and then continue to move up those action items that are next on the list. And I, I think I mentioned creating a listing post, a listening post before where, you know, you can collect information from employees, but it's also important to create a listening post or a, a place where your partners and other leaders can come and get a download of customer experience topics, understand the status of different initiatives, um, bring customer experience concerns to the table, and maybe come together and really collaborate on what potential solutions or opportunities there are to deliver a really great customer experience. Yeah, this is a, these top four uh, items are, are, are gold. I, <clears throat> I think a, a lot of people are kind of stuck and don't know where to go next or um, listening to executives and try to figuring out their business outcomes or are finding a way to provide a, a voice of the employee or voice of the customer um, with actionable ways. And then the last one you said on the fourth thing is um, giving the other leaders a, a way to, to listen. Um, you know, there's so many people that kind of focus on their, their metrics of what they're measured on. And they kind of, my, I, my analogy is, is people have these horse blinders on and, and don't kind of look up and, and out past their perspective. <clears throat> and, um, and, and that kind of can get you in, in, in hot water with the customer because they're not always doing what's best for the customer. So uh, I, I really appreciate those top four questions uh, or top four statements. You know, the, the next question I have for you is how do you champion a CX initiative across the entire enterprise? Well, just a, just a few ideas. As maybe um, we stated earlier, boiling it down, making it simple, making it consumable for people to understand what you're trying to accomplish and feel like they can take action instead of being overwhelmed with so many different initiatives that they want to focus on. And then building a coalition of partners and leaders that would benefit from getting the initiative done. You know, several people or several departments and teams kind of speaking loudly about a pain point or something that might be a strategic opportunity, a strategic customer experience opportunity can really have a bigger impact and has a much better chance of getting something done than just one person with a recommendation. Although you might be like really passionate about it, it's bringing others in and coming together to say, you know, this would benefit maybe the care center and the branches and the digital yep. team versus just one of those. Um, and I also think like that comes to the next point, which, which would be, you know, look for funding in lots of different places. Because what I see is that what stops these really important initiatives from getting done is just finding the funding. But again, if you're bringing several teams together, um, then, you know, the, the money can often follow, um, follow that. And finally, I would say, you know, show how the initiative will help the organization strategically and tactically. So sometimes we say there are things from a customer experience perspective that you just have to fix because it's a big pain point. But then if you can tie that to where the company is going strategically in the future or you know, some other big strategic 
initiative, the DAP pain point or that initiative would help with, um, then you can really um, get some traction there. And if you can show, you know, how this initiative will create a competitive advantage or even sometimes just put you on par if, if the initiative is something that really puts you behind your competitors, then you have a chance to show how that can be a bigger piece of the whole. I think that is really when you can and how you can champion initiatives across the enterprise. Yeah, these are these are great. I actually just had a, a call this morning with um, a guy who's a director of um, customer experience at at an insurance company, and he's like, "How do I get other leaders to buy in?" And I was like, "Well, what are their goals, and how are you aligning with what they're trying to accomplish, and what they're measured on, and maybe what their bonuses are with what you're trying to accomplish?" And he 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 was like, "Oh, that's a that's a pretty good idea. Let me let me think about that and figure out ways that I can align that." So, uh, which is exactly what you're saying is is uh, looking in different ways to to help people and then uh, uh, looking strategically across the enterprise. So uh, that's awesome. Um, you know, so you you have this initiative across the enterprise. How do you mitigate the risk through this initiative? Hmm. Well, I. I really like that question because, you know, sometimes it's hard to, it's hard when you're influencing to try to create that understanding of how this customer experience initiative might present a risk. And the way that I like to do that is to keep in mind that there are many different types of risk and to kind of choose or think about which type of risk I want to focus on when I'm, when I'm presenting that initiative. So a couple of examples of that. So operational risk is very real. And that to me is this like potential failure of day-to-day -day operations. And I'm sure you've seen it, Nick, in any of the organizations you work with. But COVID-19 has really presented all of us with a lot of opportunity to think about our operational risk and our processes and that risk that they might fail or that opportunity to make them sustainable and flexible during the crisis. And we just have to be ready in any one of these circumstances to serve our customers and protect our employees. So, you know, when you're thinking about any initiatives, um, does, it, does it do that from an operational perspective? Um, it's never, there's never been a more important time to think about operational risk for me. And then I would also say reputational risk. It can really be just a big, as big a danger as any other type of risk because if your reputation is damaged by a poor product offering or poor service execution, then customers have lots of other choices and they can easily make those choices and it really will put, put your organization at a disadvantage because customers can easily express their opinions through any social media or even just person to person um, pretty easily today. And then of course, you know, financial risk, which I think is one, one that most people probably think of first because it, it could result in a direct loss to the bottom line or from a customer experience perspective, you just might never achieve that greatness that 
that businesses want to achieve in that reputation that you know that you're looking for um, there can really present that financial risk. Um, so you know it's really important that we have this opportunity to build advocates, attract other customers from a financial perspective, and that our executives and our employees are really able to internalize that themselves. That customer experience does present a financial risk if we don't do it right. And then, of course, something near and dear to my heart being in banking is compliance risk. Mm -hmm. And it's, one, it's, to me, is the unsung hero of mm -hmm. risk. And, you know, any customer experience initiative has to take into account the laws and, and regulations um, in addition to customer experience factors because, you know, you could put the organization at risk for fines or other types of, of penalties. So I think that's one of the things is just, you know, if you want to take an initiative through an organization, um, you really have to think about all different types of risks. And those aren't even the only the only types of risk, but th those are kind of some of my um, heaviest, heaviest hits, my best hits of risk. Yeah, those are definitely a couple uh, right hooks. If if you don't get those right, you're you're uh, pretty much toast uh, from from a, a lot of different directions. So that's a lot of risk on the table to mitigate. But I appreciate the appreciate that. You know, at the at the end of every podcast, I leave uh, and I ask the uh, the guest two questions. And the first question is. What book or person has influenced you the most in the past year? Well, I would say it's a book about a person. And huh. the book is The Enchantress of Numbers. It is a pretty incredible book about Ada Byron King. She was the Countess of Lovelace and Lord Byron's daughter. Okay. And she was actually the world's very first computer programmer. Hmm. And she made just um, exceptional contributions to science and technology that until recently have really gone unnoticed and she hasn't um, had that claim to fame that, that she had, should has but or should have had. Um, but what I really, I took so many things away, away from this book and, and from her, but one of the things is that she just reminded me that, you know, sometimes you just have to keep contributing even when no one is looking. And those are the times when it's most important, um, particularly when you think about like what we do and this question of how do we influence things. We might influence something and never get credit for that. <laughs> but, you know, but the ultimate result will always be there. And then, you know, I also think it's important to pay honor where it's due. And this is certainly somebody that deserves our respect. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great story. I've, I've heard of Ada before. She's, um, you know, anybody who who's developed the first computer program or the first computer programmer is is uh, is quite impressive. So um, uh, sounds like a great book. I'll have to check it out. Um, the second uh, second question I have for you is if you could leave uh, a note to all the customer service or uh, customer experience professionals, what would it say? Well, I think you brought up a conversation you had earlier today about, you know, this question of how do I influence how do I create change? I don't always, if you don't own the budget, if you don't um, manage the people, if, it, if you have to lead, but you don't maybe feel like you have that authority to lead. And I think what I would say is persevere, you know, mm -hmm. because like Ada King, like Ada Byron King, 
Um, it's sometimes a job for unsung heroes in the customer experience world. You might have all the responsibility for change. People might be looking at the data or might be looking at you to figure out how to make things happen, but you might not have any of the authority or own the budgets to do that. And that's okay because you can still make that difference by, you know, believing in what you're doing, helping others believe in the initiative, showing people how they can get it done, boiling it down, delivering the right messages. And really what I would say is, you know, if you're feeling like um, maybe you don't always have that influence or authority, it's about helping people see who the real authority is, and that is the customers. Yeah, that, that's a great way to put it. I, I appreciate your time. Um, how do, uh, if, if somebody wanted to, to connect and learn more about what you're doing, how do they go about connecting with you? Well, I think the best way would probably be through LinkedIn. That's kind mm -hmm. of my main social media source there. Um, so yeah, just go out there. You can send me an email right through LinkedIn or connect with me and I'd, I'd love to hear from people. Sounds great. Tanya, I really appreciate your time and, and look forward to connecting with you here soon. Thanks so much, Nick. Great to talk to you today. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Press One for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.